This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and good evening. I'm delighted tonight to offer you a show I've been trying desperately to put in our lineup here on Theater of the Mind. It's a show I remember as a young guy back in the 50s when a communist was hiding under every bed. Well, at least that's what Joseph McCarthy in the States thought. This radio show is based on a true story, the story of Matt Savetic, who was an undercover agent for the FBI. And to make matters even better, the role of Matt Savetic is played by a hero of mine, Dana Andrews. I always admired the way he handled himself in the movies, whatever role he had been handed, always sure-footed and confident, had a great voice, and he does a great job, as I hope you'll agree, in the starring role. The story follows Sovetic, who infiltrated a local Communist Party cell for nine years and reported back to the Federal Bureau of Investigation on their activities. The film and radio show are, in part, artifacts of the McCarthy era, as well as a time capsule of American society during the Second Red Scare. The purpose of both is to partly warn people about the threat of a communist subversion of American society, and the tone of the show is ultra-patriotic, with communists portrayed as racist, vindictive, and tools of a totalitarian foreign power, the Soviet Union. So, let's go back to 1952 and listen in as Matt Savetic narrowly misses being discovered as an agent for the FBI. I was a communist for the FBI. Starring Dana Andrews in an exciting tale of danger and espionage, I was a communist for the FBI. about to hear a strange story. Names, dates, and places are, for obvious reasons, fictional. But many of these incidents are based on the actual experiences of Matt Savetic, who for nine fantastic years lived as a communist for the FBI. Here is our star, Dana Andrews, as Matt Savetic. I've heard people call him crackpots, harmless crackpots. They were speaking of the members of the Communist Party in this country. I was one of those communists for nine years. I reported their conspiracy against the United States from within. Crackpots? Like spiders spinning webs. Harmless? Like tigers stalking their prey. Here's just part of the story. In a moment, listen to Dana Andrews as Matt Savetic, Undercover Man.
Andrews as Matt Savetic, Undercover Man. This story from his confidential file is marked A Riot Made to Order. Hello? Matt Savetic. Speaking. Matt Condrexler. Yes? You sound surprised. You were told that I would contact you. Well, that's right. It's, it's just that here at work this, this time of day, I... I'm at the Regent Hotel, room 406. I have matters to discuss with you. When? Right now. That's how you received your orders in the Communist Party. Anytime, anywhere. And you obeyed to the letter, right now. I got up from my desk and there were a dozen pair of eyes watching me. Communist eyes. Some I had put in this department of the United States Employment Service myself. But I knew there were others watching, reporting. Had I shown any aggravation, any irritation, Drexel would have known about it immediately. I walked out with a smile, the perfect, obedient slave on the way to his master. Anton Drexel, small but muscular, intelligent, dark-featured. He had come from New York, a high-party functionary. He didn't bother shaking hands. He came right to the point. Comrade Zavetic. Comrade Drexel. You are satisfied that I am Drexel? I'm satisfied. You've never seen me before. You are too easily satisfied. Comrade Adams told me you would contact me. You did. That's good enough for me. The party isn't in the habit of making mistakes like that. Neither is the FBI. What do you want me to do, comrade? Throw you on the floor? Search you? Check your fingerprints? Wait for word from Moscow? What do you want? You have a temper, comrade Sovetic. I don't like talk about the FBI. You agree that we must be as careful as they are? Any party member knows that. What mistake did I make? You made none. I didn't accuse you of any. Sorry, I was wrong. Sit down, Comrade Savetti. Thanks. What I have to say is greatest importance. Go ahead. Our leaders feel it's time for us to have publicity. Sympathetic publicity in the capitalistic newspapers of this country. That's clear. Yes, Comrade. A large meeting of party members will be held in the hall two nights from now. It will be attended by the rank and file. Comrade Adams has the responsibility of filling the hall. I see. At a signal, the meeting will be raided by the pickets outside. There will be a riot. Comrade Grotzenov and a sound truck will set off the riot. A question, comrade. Yes. We've had many such meetings before, and none was ever picketed. Where will they come from this time? The Cargus Manufacturing Company nearby. Our comrades in the plant have done their work well. They cry, stop the commie rats before they take over the country. Those stupid workers are filled with patriotism. They'll turn out of the hundreds. The riot cannot fail. And after the riot, we blame the fascist police, the citizen Gestapo who interfered with our rights of free speech and free assembly. Exactly. Our comrades become martyrs. Others will rally to our cause and sympathy. Why do you tell me this, comrade? Everything is arranged. There's nothing for me. The contrary. Everything depends upon you. You are responsible for the boys of the control commission, comrade Svetik. 
They will mingle with the pickets and sighting them. At the signal, they will lead them into the hall. This riot cannot fail. But our own comrades in the hall, unarmed, they might be killed. Should anything so unfortunate occur, it will be to their glory to die serving the party. You are under orders, Comrade Savetic. I shall execute my orders, Comrade Drexel. Anything more? You'll have help in your assignment. Comrade Franz will assist you. I don't need any help for this. I've done it before by myself, and besides, I don't... Do you object, Comrade? I'm sorry, Comrade. The party knows best. Will that be all? I shall be at that meeting. Good day, Comrade Svetik. That was all. Just arranged for several hundred human beings to have their skulls cracked, their teeth knocked out. It was like sending invitations for a banquet, a banquet of death. I walked down the hotel corridor from Drexel's room to the elevator. I had to get to a phone, call my FBI contact. Hello, Comrade Svetik. Remember me? He seemed to come out of the woodwork like a termite. Otto Franz, my assistant. Had I protested too much at the meeting with Drexel? Then it hit me. Otto Franz had been arranged for before the meeting. Why? I didn't need any help on this job, and they knew it. But what else did they know? And what was Otto Franz? A tail or a hatchet man? Hello, Otto. Comrade Otto to you, Svetik. Where did you come from, comrade? It doesn't matter. Let's go to work, huh? Sure. What do we do first? That's up to you. I just go along and do whatever you say. Uh, you can see her tonight when you go home. Look, comrade, you can follow me wherever I go. Those are your orders. But you're not telling me where I can go. Those are my orders. Otto Franz, party liner, faithful hound. The crack of the whip was all he understood. Nothing would pry him from my side. He had his orders, and so had I. We took a cab, and I gave the driver an address. Did you move to a new place, comrade? I'm going to see my doctor first. Something wrong? Uh, my stomach's been upset lately. Maybe you're nervous. Maybe. I got some powders I take from my stomach. Got them right with me. How about some? I'm paying the doctor. I'll do what he says. Just wanted to save you some money. That's all. Thanks. He stayed with me like a headache, right into the doctor's waiting room. When the doctor was ready to see me, I knew he wanted to follow, but he didn't quite have the nerve. I told Doc I wanted to find out how my mother was, and he told me in two words, not good. I asked if I could use his phone. He nodded and went into his laboratory. So far, I was getting all the breaks. Randy Fletcher. Go ahead, Matt. They're staging a riot at Liberty Hall day after tomorrow. Several hundred party followers in the hall, and that many pickets or more outside. On signal, the pickets raid the meeting. Go ahead, Matt. Go ahead. It's up to you fellows now. You've got to stop this thing. We can't move in on anything like this, Matt. 
I'm afraid you'll have to carry the ball on this one. Look, I've got a tail on me right now. Everything's been set. What do you expect me to do? I'm sorry, Matt. Yeah, but this yeah, is you. yeah, I know. It's my baby. From the doctor's office, we went to my home. My mother's condition had me worried. Her heart had been weak for a long time. There was always the chance that she might die, still believing that I was a real communist. If my brother Tip was home, there would be real trouble, especially when he saw Otto. He hated me, but he hated my commie friends even worse. Tip wasn't there. I almost felt good. The little breaks were coming my way, but I needed a big one. Real big. Otto showed a rare streak of decency. Your mother upstairs, comrade? In bed. I'll wait here in the parlor. You go up and see her. But don't take too long. We got work to do, remember? I remember, comrade. Sure, Mom, I'm great. But what's this I hear about you? Oh, with me is nothing. Just a little tired. You, the one I worry about, Matt. There's nothing to worry about. I'm doing fine. <laughs> Just look at me. Oh, you are in trouble, Matt. The government, Matt. Those men from Washington. The FBI. Yes? They're after you, I know. Mom, you're all wrong. Won't you listen to me? All the time I pray for you, my boy. That God should make you give up what you are doing against the government of America. But, Mom, can't you see... Promise me, Matt. So little I ever ask from you. I I can't, Mom. (laughs) But are you all right? Don't matter no more. How can I be all right when against the United States one of my boys is working? Look, Mom, I, I got to run along now. Next time I want to see you up and around and baking a cake, you hear? Still I pray for you, Matt, that God should take care of you. You are still my boy. And the mother can't forget... to Dana Andrews, starring as Matt Sivetic in I Was a Communist for the FBI, and the second act of our story. Otto stayed with me the next two days. He never let me out of his sight. We took a hotel room because I told him my mother was too ill and I didn't want to bother her at home. Why was I given this insignificant job and a guard... Did they suspect I might sabotage their riot if I had a chance? In two days, I hadn't been able to think of a single plan. And then the phone rang. 
That's the phone, comrade. It's for you. You amaze me, comrade France. You must be psychic. Answer it. Yes? Comrade Sovetic. Speaking, comrade Drexel. The meeting is tonight. I know. You have done your work? There was nothing to be done until this afternoon. You will see to it? Certainly. Let me talk to comrade France. One moment. He wants to talk to you, comrade. Hello? Yes. Yes. No, nothing like that. Yes. Drexel knew where to call. I hadn't told him, and Otto was with me every moment. Were they watching both of us? Or had Otto somehow given me the slip? I shuddered. One mistake was all you ever made in a spot like this. Your first and last. He was watching me, still talking at the phone. Yes, comrade. Right. He sat there, staring at me, his face a complete blank. Other comrades had been pushed from hotel windows. The papers called it suicide, and the public believed the papers. I started toward the door. It's time to round up the boys for tonight, comrade. Comrade Drexel seemed a little worried that I'd not done it before this. I know. Well, uh, are you coming or do you stay here? I got my orders, comrade. I go with you. The goon squad I picked for this job was just like all the others, maybe a little more so. Muscle men. Powerful guys. And deadly. We met them in the back room of a cheap restaurant. Two dozen of them. Maybe a few more. Okay, comrades. Let's have it quiet. You'll gather tonight at 8 o'clock in the street in front of Liberty Hall. Pickets from the Cargus Company will be on hand before you get there. Wear your regular street clothes so as to look just like the other pickets. Mix with them, but stay away from each other. And get this. No guns. I'm going to say that again. No guns. You can use brass knucks, lead pipe in a newspaper, or saps. You've got plenty to work with, but no guns. A comrade in a sound truck will be yelling for a peaceful picketing with no violence. It's your job to make the pickets forget him and raid the meeting and start the riot. Okay, that's all. Nice work, comrade. Thanks. Comrade Drexel will be pleased. Everything that night went according to schedule. It always does when the commies are behind it. They're thorough. They don't miss a trick. The plans are laid days ahead. You hope for a slip-up, but you never get your wish. When we got to Liberty Hall, the street out front was alive with pickets. They were angry, but not looking for trouble yet. Everything goes well, Comrade Svetik. Yeah, everything's great. There are plenty here to cause serious trouble. That was the idea, wasn't it? Of course. We should be happy, Comrade. I'm happy. Remember, boys, this is a peaceful picketing. We want law and order. Let's have no violence. This is a protest against those commies inside. This is the United States, where we do everything by thousands. Keep it peaceful, boys. Keep walking around. 
what Gatsinov is doing has worked well. Yeah. Have you seen any of our goons caught around? Several. There's one. Talking to that thicket. Yeah, I see him. Well, there's another one buttonholing a couple of guys. They're here and they're working. It is good combat setting. Yeah. Let's go in the hall. Why? There's nothing more to do here. It's just a question of time. Maybe we can help in there. As you say, comrade. Inside the hall, everything was proceeding according to schedule. There wasn't an empty chair in the place. It was like a sheep pen with Comrade Adams, the ringleader, on the stage leading them to slaughter. And there you have an example, comrades, of this freedom America boasts. Right outside these doors, above the pickets, the fascist police of the United States are protesting our right of free assembly. That's why we are here tonight, to protest this wanted usurpation of our rights, to demand for our the party line, the same old hogwash. And they believed every word of it. Then I heard the crowd outside getting nastier. It was almost time for my goons to lead them in. I began to sweat. There must be something I could do. There must. And then a wild idea hit me. I turned to Otto. I'm in France. Lock the front doors. Are you crazy? Do what I say. But why? You said if a mob walks in through an open door, they're liable to start talking things over. Make them break down a door and there's no talk, just violence. That's a smart idea, comrade. I'll do it. Locking the doors was just a stall for time. I wanted to get at the automatic sprinkling system backstage. I got there just in time to meet Drexel and Adams and the rest of the big shots on their way out the back door. They weren't risking their skins. Congratulations, Comrade Sovetic. You've done your work well. We shall meet in my hotel room as soon as this is over. Comrade Adams and I go now. Come along, Sovetic. We've set the fuse. Now let her blow. I'll wait for Comrade France. He's out front. Good. Make it so. standing right next to a wall ladder. It led up into the rafters, and from there, I could reach one of the valves of the sprinkling system and melt off the protected wax cap. I started up the ladder, and I saw Otto coming back. I jumped down. He hadn't seen me. Your idea works, comrade. Listen to them. They're like wild beasts outside. Good work, comrade. When those doors break, hundreds will be hurt. out at the hall. I gave him the heel of my hand at the base of his neck. He went down in a heap and stayed there. I shinned up the ladder and held my lighter under the valve. No one saw me. The commies inside were panicked. They didn't know what to do next. The pickets were stopped at the door, but it wouldn't be for long. I heard the door go. I heard the pickets crash through. I had to stop this somehow. Lives depended on it. I broke out into a sweat. Would that valve never melt? I held the flame closer, and then the valve melted. The water rushed through the pipes, and it rained all over the hall. A hard, cooling, steady rain that could put out fires. A rain that could put out a riot. I came down the ladder. Otto was still on the floor. The commies had found the back exit. They were pouring out like drowned rats. The pickets were backing out the front door. They didn't want any part of that flood. The riot had come a cropper.
Comrade Drexel was waiting for me in his hotel room, but I had to make one stop before that, a crummy little gem on Denton Street. I knew the owner, Mac, a hulking, punch-drunk ex-pug. He knew me slightly. He never asked questions. When you can't think anymore, there's nothing to ask about. Listen, Mac, I haven't got time to argue. It's a matter of life and death. I want you to go over my face and go over it good. With gloves, huh? No gloves. Bare fists. I got to look like I was really beat up. Blood, too? Yeah. Everything I'd get if four or five guys jumped me. (laughs) I might hurt you. I told you this is a matter of life or death. Now, go ahead. Well, okay. Just as a favor. No hard feelings. No hard feelings. When Mac began to blur, I knew I had enough. He helped me to the door, and I staggered into the night. Yes. He struck me and turned on the water. Silence. What what happened, comrade? They they slugged France first, and they jumped me. I fought them until I passed out. Who were they? Five of them. I never saw them before. Pickets? Maybe. None of ours, though. They turned on the water? I don't know. I guess so. I was out cold. I tell you, the only guy around me when I got slugged was Svetik. He turned on the water. And then beat myself to a pulp? Is that it, Comrade? Unfortunately, Comrade Svetik, suspicion points to you. Okay. Okay, so I slugged Otto. I turned on the water, then I beat myself unconscious. That's the way you want it. That's the way it is. You're acting as a control commission. Okay. I confess everything. Let's get this over with. I've remarked before, Svetik, you're a violent temper. Why not? I've done everything I could to make this job a success. And then I'm questioned like a dirty, double-crossing traitor. In the name of the party. What more do you want from me? Take it easy, Savetti. Sure. Sure, I'll take it easy. You need a doctor's care, Comrade Savetti. I suggest that you go immediately. The story seems true. Your face is proof of that. But we shall investigate further. Is that all, Comrade? That is all. For now. I left the hotel and I felt good inside in spite of the pain. I had stopped a riot. They'd investigate further, but they wouldn't find anything. I was sure of that. I'd covered everything, and for a while I was safe. I was safe to continue the double life, safe to tread the dim line between darkness and light. Safe to walk alone. Dana Andrews will return in just a moment. This is Dana Andrews. These stories, many of them based upon actual events and happenings in the real-life experiences of Matt Savetic, 
are brought to you in order that you may be aware of the insidious working from within of the Communist Party. Our greatest danger lies in being unaware. Our greatest safety in a knowledge of what we are fighting against. For this reason, I urge you to listen again next week when we will dramatize another exciting adventure from the official records of Matt Savetic. Join us then, won't you? I hope you enjoyed that. I was a communist for the FBI. I must tell you, just in an offhand manner, that when I audition shows, I have to listen in for dead air on some of these old programs. And that was the only show I found as of this date that I ha- I could air because uh, some had repeats of uh, the first part of the show happening right in the middle of the, the program. You can't have that. So I hope I can uh, listen to more without any uh, dead air involved or uh, repeat of dialogues, uh, etc., and present more of these series. I just love the show. I was a communist for the FBI. Stay tuned. Maybe we'll have more. I hope so. Well, stay tuned now for Life with Luigi, next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Just imagine for a moment that you're an immigrant, heading to make a new life for yourself in a new country. Well, let's say that country you're leaving is Italy, and where you're going is the United States. Chicago, to be precise. Who will hire me? What about learning the language? Will I make friends? Well, those are all the questions the hero of our story has asked himself before embarking on a brand new adventure. Luigi Basco is next with Life with Luigi. We invite you to enjoy life, Life with Luigi, a new comedy show created by Cy Howard and starring that celebrated actor, Mr. J. Carroll Nash, with Alan Reed. Luigi Vasco left Italy to start his new life in America. He promised his mother that he would write and tell her about his adventure. So now let's read Luigi's letter as he writes to Mama Vasco in Italy. Dear Mamma Mia, in America is a big business. Magazine. Wonderful thing about American magazines. They're full of advertisements. And the advertisements I like the most are the ones that tell you how to make a lot of money easy. <laughs> they say, become rich overnight. Grow mushrooms in your cell. <laughs> become rich overnight. Make Indian bead ring. Become rich overnight. Learn the meat cutting in your own living room. <laughs> Mamma mia, if I could only stay up for three nights, I'd make a fortune. 
<laughs> but there's another advertisement that says, make $100 a week, become a secretary stenographer. Then I read them all and I see it's a no good for me. It's only for somebody who's got a short hand. <laughs> <laughs> These things sound very good, Mamma Mia. But if you're not smart, like your Luigi, it's possible to get fooled. Like one advertisement I see that says, We pay you big money. Right to box 22. Mamma mia, how can this company have money if they got office in a box? <laughs> Most foolish advertisement I see is the one that says, We give you pants one third off. <laughs> Mamma me, isn't that a stupid? How am I going to look or walking in the street to whether my pants are one third off? <laughs> also, is that that say, learn about your telephone company. Mamma me, there's a plenty to learn. This morning, I'm going to receive a bill from a phone company that's charging me for longer distance calls to California that I'm going to never make. I always try to conduct the business honest. So this is worrying me very much. So I go to my night school teacher, Miss Spaulding, and maybe she can explain why. All right, all right, all right. Quiet, class. I'll call the roll. Basco. I'm a hip. Horowitz. Yeah. Olsen. Go oh, I'm here. Schultz. Schultz, you're here, aren't you? Yeah, but I'm not squealing. <laughs> <laughs> I got shows, yeah? Oh, I should be a sensation in television. <laughs> Mr. Schultz, please. You are very funny, and it is not necessary to dip your finger in the inkwell. Now, class, our lesson for today is English. What is it, Mr. Basco? Why are you raising your hand? Miss Spalding, I got a problem. Today, I'm going to receive a telephone bill with a charge for call to California I never make. Well, Mr. Basco, I'll help you with your phone problem later if you don't mind staying after class with me. Well, I'm... I'm... I should say Saturday. I'm a glad to stay, Miss Paul. Luigi is the DJ of pet. <laughs> now, class, class. I enjoy a good laugh as well as anyone, but we must get on to our study. Now for our English lesson. Now, who will volunteer to conjugate the verb to see? Well, who will volunteer? No volunteers? Looks like somebody's going to have to be drafted. <laughs> well, I'll have to call on somebody. Mr. Olsen. Yeah, all right, I volunteer. <clears throat> I conjugate the, the, the verb to see. See? Saw. See? Oh. See? Oh, Stop already. You're making me dizzy. <laughs> Mr. Schultz, you are disrupting the class. Now, let me hear you conjugate C. I I see, you see, he see, she see, we see, you see, they see. <laughs> Schultz, that's good. Good, that's perfect. <laughs> yes, it is at that. To tell you the truth was a look again. <laughs> All right, all right. Now, who will conjugate the verb using a subject? Uh, like Mary. Mr. Spalding, I try. Go ahead, Mr. Basco. I see Mary, you see Mary, he sees Mary, she sees Mary, we see Mary, you see Mary, they see Mary. Mary should pull down her window shades. 
Mr. Schultz, please. That was very good, Mr. Basco. Now, could you conjugate a verb of your own? Sure. I take a verb to pay. Fine. Do you pay telephone a company? <laughs> he pay telephone a company. Now, wait a minute. You left out I pay telephone company. I'm a no pay. I never make an answer. <laughs> well, I can see we'll have to settle that problem now. Now, Mr. Basco, why don't you go down to the phone company and explain things to them? They're very fair, and if they're wrong, you won't have to pay. I don't have to pay? Thank you, Miss Paulding. Luigi, Luigi, wait, wait, wait for me. Oh, you walk so fast. <laughs> Look, look at me. My tongue is hanging out like a cooker spaniel. <laughs> Luigi, my friend, I got to talk to you. Oh, what's the matter, Schultz? Don't go to the phone company. Why not? A terrible thing happened to my cousin, Hugo. Oh. You know, he once got at a big telephone bill. He tried to argue with the telephone company. He got them mad, and they made him pay it anyway. <laughs> they made him pay? Yeah, yeah, but for the last ten years, he's been getting even with them. How? Every time the telephone rings, he don't answer. <laughs> but Schultz, if I don't go to the telephone company, what am I going to do? Luigi, in my head, an idea just pooped. <laughs> why, don't, why don't you go to your friend, Alderman Johnson? Let him investigate it for you. That's right, Schultz. Alderman Johnson, he's always trying to help you. I got him right now. Thanks, Schultz. Goodbye. Uh, goodbye, Luigi. And remember, smile. What if you do get into trouble with the telephone company? What can they do? Can they hang you? Can they shoot you? Can they throw you in jail? Shoot the can they? How should I know? Am I a lawyer? Hello, Mr. Alderman Johnson. You remember me? Why, of course. You're the serviceman for Culligan Saltwater Service. Well, you certainly took your time coming. But I'm going to have to... No, no, no. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. I know every voter in my district. You're, uh... Um, uh, well, don't stand there. Give me a hint. You ever heard of a Luigi Bosco? I certainly, certainly. Great friend of mine. Nothing he wouldn't do for me. Ah, broke my heart the day he left for France. <laughs> I'm a Luigi Bosco. Oh. Well, how was the trip? I never went. <laughs> Mr. Alderman Johnson, you know me. I'm Luigi Basco. I own a ticket shop on Halstead Street. Oh, certainly, certainly. Now, Mr. Basco, what did you want to see me about? It's about telephone bills. This morning, it say, I'm going to make a longer distance call to California, and I'm going to never make it. I see. And you don't want to pay the telephone company. Oh, don't say that. I'm always trying to be good American. I'm obey every law. Sign in the street to stand, speed the limit, 25 miles an hour. I'm a never walk faster than a 25. <laughs> Sign in a zoo. Say, don't feed the monkey peanuts. I'm a never feed the monkey peanuts. I give him popcorn. <laughs> Sign is all over, say. Not trespassing. Believe me, Mr. Alderman. I'm here one a year 
and I'm never passing a trend. <laughs> Vasco, I know your problem. Now, you think the phone company's made an error, and you're a little afraid of it. That's right, Mr. Alderman. Phone company's so big, and... And Luigi Bosco, he's a solid. Why, Bosco, you're as big as the telephone company. It's because the little people run America. Now you don't have to worry about a thing. I take care of all my voters. I'll get on the phone right now and straighten it out for you. Uh, give me your bill, Bosco. I only deal with the people on top. Hello, operator. Uh, let me talk to the president. Just tell him it's Alderman Johnson. What? All right, then give me the vice president. Well, uh... How about the district supervisor? I see. Is the uh, chief operator in? <laughs> no. Well, who? All right, give me that party. Hello. Information. Who do I speak to about paying a bill? <laughs> Mr. Alderman, maybe is it too much to travel for you? I go No, no, no. I... You leave it to me, Vasco. Hello, complete department. This is Alderman Johnson. I'm talking for a constituent of mine. What do you mean by charging him for a long-distance call he never made? You've got your nerve. What? It's Luigi Vasco, Sedgwick 39895. Yeah? Yeah? All right. Well, Vasco, you'll never have any trouble with the company again. I won't? No. They're taking out your phone tomorrow. <laughs> My friend. Hello, Luigi. Hello, hello. <laughs> hello, Pasquale. What's the matter, Luigi? Why are you so sad, my little man? You look like a little puppy with his tail between his ears. <laughs> Pasquale, it's a long story. This morning, I'm going to receive a wrong bill from telephone company. I ask Miss Spaulding. She's going to say, go to company. Schultz is to say, go to Alderman. I go to Alderman, and he's to make even worse. Schultz, you go to everybody but your best friend of Pasquale, and what's happening? Nothing. Why are you running around like a crazy little squirrel looking for food when all the time you could have come straight to the nuts? <laughs> he is so right, Pasquale. Nobody is a bigger nut than you. <laughs> That's a funny thing. When I'm going to say it, it's a sound of different. <laughs> Pasquale, I'm in a trouble, and I'm a coming to ask you for favor. Phone company is going to take a phone out of my store tomorrow. Luigi, why you have it to worry when you've got a good friend like Pasquale who's to bring you from all the country? You don't need a telephone. You can use the mine. Is there no trouble, Pasquale? What a trouble. It's a pleasure. Every time there's a phone a ring, I call you. Thank you, Pasquale. You real a friend. Sure. Now, I do you a favor with a ring? You do me a favor with a ring. <laughs> Pasquale, what the favor I can do you with a ring? Slip it out of my daughter Rose's finger. No, no, Pasquale. I'm not going to play a ring around the rose. <laughs> it's no use, Pasquale. Rose is a nice girl, lovely girl. But she's a too fat for me. Luigi. You call it 250 pounds of fat? What do you call it? I ask you first. <laughs> Pasquale, we just waste time of talking. I'm not going to marry Ross. 
All right, you big, stupid fool. Just because of a little thing like a Marion and my Rosie, you're going to lose your telephone. Pasquale, I'm not going to need your help. Maybe it's better I go myself at the telephone company and find out why they're charging me for this call to California. California? Wait, Luigi, don't be so impatient. I changed my mind. I'm going to help you. Then you're not angry with me, Pasquale? No. Hey, Luigi, you give me a telephone bill, go take a walk, and I'm going to fix everything up with the phone company. Pasquale, why you do this? Because you, Pasquale, you love you like a... Don't say it. All right. You go for a walk, Luigi, my friend. I'm your countryman. I'm going to take care of everything. Thank you, Pasquale. You're welcome, Luigi. Abro figuro, bravo, bravissimo, abro figuro, bravo, bravissimo, fortunatissimo, fortunatissimo, fortunatissimo. Hello? Operator? Uh, give me the chief supervisor. Hello, chief supervisor? And this is a very good friend of Luigi Basco, 21 North Holstead Street, telephone number Sedgwick, 398-95. I'm understanding you want to take out his telephone next week. I think it's very bad of you to take a man's business away. It's a bread and a butter. Huh? What's a Bosco's business? He's a bookie. <laughs> For the second act of Luigi Vasco's Adventures in Chicago, we turn to page two of his letter to his mother in Italy. And so, Mamma Mia, is a big trouble with me. I don't know what the Pasquales do to help me with a telephone company. All I know is, this morning, man is a come in, asking me to put two dollars on a nose. Soon as I'm a put it under my nose, he's a disconnected the telephone. <laughs> and the mama mia, when a man is a loses a telephone, is no use talking. Anyway, I'm a sitting in my store wondering what I should do next. When I suddenly open up a door and a big wind comes in. Luigi, my friend. <laughs> hello, Luigi. Hello, hello. Hello, Pasquale. Hey, Luigi, you mind if I'm a use your telephone? Thank you. Hello, operator. Operator. Hey, Luigi, you got a funny kind of operator. She's a no talk. <laughs> Must be Johnny Belinda. <laughs> Pasquale, phone company has a disconnect to my phone. What? After I'm going to say such good things about you? Pasquale, just what is it that you say about me? Why, I'm a praise of you, Luigi. I'm going to tell him Luigi is a man uh, who knows his oats, sir. Also, she got a very uh, stable uh, character. <laughs> well, thank you, Pasquale, but it's a very strange to me. I don't can understand what's happening between me and the phone company. Hello, Luigi. Hello, Pasquale. Hello, Schultz. Hello, Schultz. <laughs> Luigi, how you make it out with the telephone company? Schultz, sir, I'm going to get lots of trouble. My phone died. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
smile, Luigi. If you ever want to get a message to California, I'm going to lend you a carrier pigeon. Smart, <laughs> Alec, a delicatessen a man of Schultz. How's a little bird like a pigeon going to carry Luigi to California? He <laughs> carry him pigeon back. <laughs> You don't know what he's talking about. Listen, Schultz and Pasquale, no fight, no fight. I'm in a trouble. Why don't you go straight to the telephone company, tell them your story, and let them straighten out the whole thing? Don't go, Luigi. Go. Don't go. Go. Don't go. How do you like that? They went. <laughs> Hmm. Bell Telephone Company. Mamma mia, it's a big building. Oh, here's a sign on the side of the building. It says, uh, Bell Telephone Company, Estab, 1878. <laughs> Poor Mr. Bell, he was stabbed in 1878. <laughs> No, no, I, I must be wrong. A stab, eight, one, eight, seven, eight. That's the telephone number. <laughs> <laughs> well, Luigi Bascona, don't be so nervous. Like all the men say, America is on the side of a little man. And I'm a little man. Well, I'm going inside and find out what's with the telephone called to California. Excuse me, lady, please. I'm coming here about a call to California. This is the Bell Telephone Company, no? Yes. I'm like to speak to Mr. Bell. Mr. Bell is dead. <laughs> All right, I wait. <laughs> you don't understand, sir. Mr. Bell is no longer with us. That's not the nice. A man has spent his whole life inventing telephone. Now he's going to get fired. <laughs> But he's dead. Oh. Then maybe I speak to Mrs. Bell. Mrs. Bell is not here either. Mr. Bell is not here. Mrs. Bell is not here. Who's the watch of the business? <laughs> Sir, I'm really not qualified to answer all your questions. Why don't you go see the head operator? Head operator? Yes, two flights up, first door to the right. Thank you, lady. Mamma mia, I'm learning something every day. Just now, I find out there's two kinds of operators. With the head and without the head. I'm trying to explain to you, Mr. Basco. The company is actually owned by five million shareholders. Five million? That's right. And when the profits are added up, they divide every nickel. Mamma mia. When they get through with that nickel, it must be in a terrible shape. <laughs> Mr. Basco... For two and a half hours, I've tried to explain. I've... I've... Uh, Mr. Basco, why don't you go see a vice president? Mr. Basco, this is unprecedented. You've disrupted our entire organization. I'm a sorry, Mr. Vice President. But do you think it's nice for Chicago Telephone Company to be mad at me? Even when the two people is mad. They talk once in a while. All right, you don't ring my phone no more. At the least, 
Maybe once a day you should have given me a little tinkle. <laughs> the telephone company is not angry with you. Then why the telephone company is disconnecting my phone? Just because I'm never make a call to California. Mr. Vasco, really, you must have made that call. Our company never makes a mistake. Now, do you realize what happens every time you pick up your phone? A thin plate of soft iron called the diaphragm vibrates to your sound wave. Oh. Now, this in turn affects a tiny magnet and is electrically transmitted, causing the diaphragm to vibrate. Oh. Then what do you think happens when the two metallic contacts are made? Oh. Charlie Operator says a deposit another five cents. No! <laughs> An automatic record is immediately stamped on a card bearing your phone number. Now, Mr. Vasco, we never make mistakes. Then there must be something wrong with the way telephone company advertises. What do you mean? All the papers is a show picture of a lady with a telephone, and she's a saying, sorry, wrong number. <laughs> Mr. Vasco, that is a picture. I know it's a picture, but if you never make mistakes, you should show a picture of a lady, and she's a saying, I'm happy, write the number. <laughs> Mr. Vasco, listen to me. We are very patient here the telephone company. But facts are facts. You made this call to California. Therefore, you must pay for it. Now, to prove to you just how right we are and how patient we are, I'll double-check your file. Believe me, sir, I've been a vice president of the telephone company for 20 years. Nothing goes wrong here. I'll now call our filing department. Hello? Hello? How do you like that? The phone is dead. <laughs> Luigi, my friend. Hello, my little man. You find out about that call to California? Pasquale, it was the worst day in my life that I ever went there. I'm going to make so much of trouble, the vice president is going to throw me out. Vice president? Oh, Luigi, that's terrible. Why? Vice president's a very big man in this country. He's going to report to you. And you know what comes after report? Deport. <laughs> and that's going to be the story of your life. Four words. Import, report, deport, export. <laughs> Oh, Pasquale, I'm a one so much to stay in America. Help me. I'm a sorry, Luigi. I'm a like very much to help you, but I'm a know the facts. I must testify in the court against you. But, Pasquale, why you must testify against me? Oh, it's a big law here. It's called uh, habeas corpus. <laughs> <laughs> and even if I'm a no testifier, my Rosa, she's still got to testify because uh, she's living next door. Pasquale, help me. Is there nothing I can do? Nothing. Wait. <laughs> I'm a just to remember. Is another big law. Wife, and not get to testify against the husband. But you're not my wife, Pasquale. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I know a certain party who's willing to make the biggest sacrifice. Who? Welcome home, my son. Hello, Papa. <laughs> oh, now I'm happy. Rosa! 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 
Come here, Rosa. Say hello to Luigi. <laughs> hello, Luigi. Hello, Rosa. <laughs> Bless you, my children, and I'm a hope for you live together happily ever after. Papa, does this mean we're already married? Oh, shut up your face. <laughs> Uh, oh, is Mr. Basco here? I'm Luigi Basco. Uh, Mr. Basco, I'm from the phone company. We've investigated that California call, and we find it was made to the Hollywood Matrimonial Agency. Hollywood, the Matrimonial Agency? It's all right. I'm going to pay. Everything's going to be settled and I should acquire. Uh, we investigated this phone call, Mr. Basco, and it seems the conversation was about getting a husband for a certain Rosa. Is you getting the past to my bedtime? Good night, everybody. <laughs> Shut up, you face. Come with me. No, it was you, Pasquale. You used my phone for your caller to California. Uh, Mr. Basco, it may interest you to know anyone who uses your phone without your permission is liable to a lawsuit. Pasquale. <laughs> yes, my son. Every cigar, Fisher Papa. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Hello, Mamma Mia. This is your son, Luigi. Talking to you on the telephone. Huh? No, no, it's, it's not a dream, Mamma. It's really true. Is it your son? Yeah, yeah, you're a boy, Luigi. You know, hear my voice in more than a year. What the? What? Go ahead, Mamma. I don't care what it costs. Go ahead. Go ahead and cry. Sure, cry. <laughs> I think I'm a cry too. <laughs> how, how is your uncle Pietro? Oh, good, good. And he's a goat. <laughs> oh, he's a goat. He's got the married. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Sure. When is Uncle Pietro gonna get the married? <laughs> what? Oh, he's gonna wait and see how it's turn out with his goat. <laughs> No, no, don't worry about the cost of this to call the mama. Don't worry. How's Aunt Francesca? Good, good. And a cousin of Salvador. Oh, that's a fine, Mama Mia. Mama, are you sure you feel good? Oh, that's so nice. That's so nice. What the? Huh? I don't understand. You no get the marshmallows? Where do you hear about the marshmallows? Oh, you read all about the marshmallow plan. <laughs> but, but the, well, Mama, Mama Mia, is there somebody here want to talk to you? So wait a minute. Go ahead, Pasquale. Hello, Mama Mia. Goodbye. <laughs> what? Why does the Pasquale get off of the phone so fast? I'll tell you why, Mamma Mia. Because he's the painter for this phone call. Thanks for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Ozzy and Harriet, followed by a newly added radio show from the 50s, Cloak and Dagger. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. 
the executive producer of Theater of the Mind, is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.